wanted to tell you guys a quick story about a Baptist dog. <clears throat> so there was a couple, and they were wanting to buy a dog, but not just any dog. They were wanting to buy a Baptist dog. So they start going to different pet stores. They go to the first one, talk to the owner. Hey, we're looking for a Baptist dog. Do you have anything like that? No, I'm sorry. We don't carry Baptist dogs. Okay, so they go to the next pet store. We're looking for a dog, not just any dog, a Baptist dog. Do you have anything like that? No, I'm sorry. We don't carry Baptist dogs. So they go to the third store, tell the guy, we're looking for a Baptist dog. And he says, you know, I might have what you're looking for. (laughs) So they bring the dog out. And the couple says, well, how do you know he's a Baptist? And he said, well, watch this. Dog, fetch my Bible. So he disappears into a room in the back, and he comes back, and he's got a Bible in between his teeth, and he's wagging his tail. And the couple went, wow, we'll take him. So they take him home, and they're so excited uh, to show off their Baptist dog. So they invite a bunch of friends over, and they have dinner, and they go through dinner and dessert and coffee, and the friends are like, well, bring out your Baptist dog. We want to see this dog. And so he's like, he's like, okay. So they bring the dog out, and they said, how do you know he's Baptist? And they said, well, watch this. Dog, fetch my Bible. Dog disappears again. Comes back and he's got a Bible in between his teeth and his his tail's wagging. And the friends are like, wow, that's incredible. And one of them said, well, does he do any normal dog tricks? And the couple looked at each other and they thought, well, we don't know. We didn't ask. Let's try it. So the guy says, dog, heal. And the dog jumps up on his lap, puts his little paw on his forehead, and goes, woo! And one of the friends said, that's not a Baptist dog. He's a Pentecostal. I love dogs. And by the way, I love Baptists, and I love Pentecostals, so no hard feelings. So again, before we get into Ephesians 4 tonight, I want to share with you a little bit on what's on my heart for this season. I feel like it's important to know the season that we're in. And this is just something that I've been mulling over, um, so you guys can weigh it. Um, But uh, as we get started into it, go ahead and look at the screens. And what do you see on the screen? Okay, so Time Magazine did this article in May of 2015. And the title of the article was, You Now Have a Shorter Attention Span Than a Goldfish. Does anybody know what the attention span of a goldfish is? He said three. Anybody else? Nine seconds is what they said the attention span of a goldfish is. And so Microsoft Corporation, they sponsored this study, and they determined that in 2015, the average adult attention span is eight seconds. Eight seconds. And they attributed this, you can guess, to the increased uh, technology and its effects on our brain. And now technology is just you know, so central to our lifestyle that it's affected attention span. Now, I want you to know I believe better about, than you guys. I, be, I, I don't think we have to settle for eight seconds, but certainly I think that we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that there is a war for our attention. Wow. Yeah. Amen? There is a war for our attention in this age. And maybe that's been true in other seasons, but so much it's true in 2016. Dr. Sharon Stone, if you guys were here on Sunday, she was talking a little bit about the season. And she said this. She said, one of the keys for us in this hour is to beware of distraction. Mm. 
And again, that could have been a great piece of wisdom in any season, but how much more in 2016? Do you agree? Okay. So um, you guys know the sons of Issachar. Tracy just mentioned them. They were the guys that knew the times and seasons, and we want to be like them, right? So one of the ways to gauge the season is to look at the Hebrew calendar. Uh, Hebrew uh, New Year, you guys know, is Rosh Hashanah, usually in September or October of every year. And we are now two months into year 5777, right? So the number five means supernatural grace. The number seven means completion or perfection. The cool thing about the Hebrew is that the numbers also have corresponding letters with them. And the corresponding letter for the number seven mean it's Zayin, it's Z-A-Y-I-N, and it means sword. So Lance Wallnow, he had some great insight on this, and I've just been dining out because I love this, and I just wanted to share it with you. Maybe you've heard it. But he said that 5777 is the year of supernatural grace to engage the clashing of swords. He said, we are taking on giants just like the children of Israel did. Now, allow me to read this. Listen up. He said, the enemy will be bred for you if you feed your spirit on the word of God. The word of God is the bread you eat that becomes a sword in your mouth. In this new year, 5777, God will open up his word to you and reveal a sword in scripture. When you see it, grab it. Speak what God gives you, prophesy and proclaim what you see, expect your utterance to authorize angelic activity through your prayers. Guys, do you feel that, that, that clashing of swords? I mean, have you felt that increased warfare maybe in your personal lives? Certainly over our nation. I mean, my goodness, have you ever felt the clash of light and darkness like it's happening now? So this is not a season for us to be passive or to be complacent. And if if we've got any of that, we got to just shake that stuff off. Um, One of the things that I've been doing is to find, and I encourage you in the season, is it might help to find some examples of faith, either people in the natural that are like heroes that demonstrated courage or faith that you like, or or, uh, people in the Bible that really uh, speak to you. Um, I know Matthew right now is studying the Civil War. He felt like the Lord, you know, led him to study Civil War and kind of the war dynamics and heroes in that thing. Earlier this year, I was obsessed with JL. You know, she was the one that drove a tent peg through Sisera's skull, you know, and I just, I couldn't even get out of that for a couple months. Now I'm loving Caleb. And we love Caleb and we like, we think he's great because mo- you know the story. Moses sent the guys into the promised land. Two of them came back with a good report. And if, it, if the story stopped there, that would be, would be awesome. We would totally honor Caleb and think, man, his faith is great. But that's not even the end of the story. So God sent the Israelites in to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And 45 years later, Caleb goes to Joshua. He's now 85 years old. And was he going, oh, you know, here I am. No, he wasn't. He's 85 years old, and he goes to Joshua, and he says, hey, you know me. You remember me. I went into the land. I came back. I spoke everything that was in my heart. 
And, he, and he's like, and I've wholly followed the Lord. And he said, so here we are. And he said, my, I'm 85 years old. And he said, my strength, I'm as strong today as I was then. He goes, my eyesight's the same. He said, I'm as strong for war today as I was then. And he said, therefore, this is my favorite part. Give me my mountain that the Lord promised to me. Is that amazing? And so I feel like in me, I've been going, God, I feel the Lord on that. And I mean, here's the deal, guys. I mean, are we doing this for our health? No. I mean, you could be a hundred other places tonight, but you want your full inheritance, right? We want our full inheritance. And so I've just been going, God, give me my mountain and let's do this thing. Let's inherit the promises that God gave us to inherit. Amen. Amen. Crystal's laughing at me because I'm... All right, so as we go into Ephesians, I want to challenge you to do this. Find the sword in what I'm saying for you. And what I mean by that is find the area of inspiration, the thing that speaks to you, and then grab it and do that. Every time there's a speaker up here, again, we're not doing this for our health. Ask the Lord for your sword. And then take that into your prayer closet. Take it into your car as you're driving in this traffic. Begin to sing it. Begin to pray it. Begin to speak it. And that's how we really flow in corporate unity. Unity is not just about what we do in here, but it's how we walk it out. And we want to be walking it out outside these walls as well. Amen? Amen. So Ephesians 4, Carol Kelsey's not here tonight. She had a dream uh, probably a couple months ago before we even, she she didn't even know anything about this series. And um, before Richard and, and Matthew had decided to do it, I believe, And she has this dream. The dream is that she is in this very room with the people of Storehouse, and a template begins to fall on the people in the room. And you know what a template is? A template is like a a structure, something that would come down to define and to structure. And she said that the template was the book of Ephesians. And so she comes in in prayer, and she's all excited about that. She didn't know anything about this series, and we're like, whoa. So there's something on this book for this hour. As we get started, Matthew, you know, he did a great job talking about Paul. Paul wrote um, this book. <clears throat> and I want to remind you before we just talk about a few themes in this chapter of who Paul was. Remember in Acts chapter 9, Paul went to the high priest And he said, will you please write me a letter authorizing me to persecute Christians and bring men and women bound to Jerusalem? This guy was seething with hatred for Christians. Seething with hatred. He was was just, he was in darkness, complete darkness, a prisoner of the enemy, right? So we know the story. He was around Damascus. He was with his friends. He's on a horse. And he has an encounter with the living Christ. Stay with me. I know you guys know this. He has an encounter with the living Christ. The light of Christ shines down. He falls off his horse. He hears the audible voice of the Lord. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he's like, whoa. This encounter blinded him, and he couldn't eat or drink for three days. And it says that something like scales actually fell from his eyes. So here is a man that was burning with a revelation of the love of Christ. And not only the love of Christ, but he knew fresh 
what it meant to be a prisoner of darkness. And he knew what it's like. It's like he's aware that we are caught in this cosmic battle between light and darkness. So he's burning with these realities. And when he wrote Ephesians, he was actually in prison. And so he's writing to us, and let's, let's start. Uh, oh, no, let me just tell you real quick. I guess the guys, um, they, they went through Ephesians 1 through 3. And basically those chapters are where God is telling, or he is telling us what God has done for us and who we are in Christ. So chapter 4 is now saying, now that we know what God did for us and who we are in Christ, what do we do now? How do we live based on this information? So this is where we are, chapter 4, verse 1. And again, you guys might hear some things tonight that you already know, but remember that the question is never, have you heard this before? It's how's it working for you? Because we are, we are supposed to be working the word, right? So again, ask the Lord for your sword. So <clears throat> chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So I looked up beseech in Google, and the first thing that came up was, beseech is a gothic metal band from Sweden. <laughs> <clears throat> and I'm like, yeah, no. So beseech actually means implore urgently. So he's saying, I implore you urgently to walk worthy. Well, is he saying, try harder? You got to make yourself worthy? No, he's already told us that we're worthy. He's saying, walk congruent with who you are in Christ. Verse 2, with lowliness, that means humility and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Now, notice that these qualities are all things that are expressed in relationship with each other. So again, one of the huge themes of this chapter is unity. Notice also that these are fruit. Now, here's a little rabbit trail. Allow me, if you will. Maybe, that, maybe this is only interesting to me. But we know that Old Testament realities are pictures of New Testament truth, right? Okay, so what is one of our favorite verses? It's in Revelation 1, and it says, To him who loved us and washed us with his own blood, you know, from our sins, we have been made kings and what? Priests. Okay, so we're priests. Are we? We're priests. Okay. Well, if you look at the, remember the priests in the Old Testament, Exodus 39. Jesus, God went into great detail to talk about what they wore and the color of the threads and the hats and the thing. And you go, why? Why? Well, there's, some, there's stuff in there that's like good revelation. Do you know what the priests in the Old Testament that was lined in the hem of their, their priestly garment? Does anybody know? In the hymn was a pomegranate and a bell. A pomegranate and a bell all the way around the hem of their garment. What is a pomegranate? A fruit. So in this theme, the character of a worthy walk, he's calling us to be fruitful. The fruit is, is woven into the very character of our garments as believers. And then the bell is what? Bell is a sound. Bellas, bellas are gifts or signs, right? So we have fruit and we have sound that is meant to be, again, the, in, the very, in our very clothing as priests. Isn't that good? So the thing about character, though, 
is that, you know, you can't go through the drive-through at McDonald's and order character. I mean, it, it takes time to develop character. That's the thing. That's the thing that gets us, right? And so we've, gotta, we've got to realize that when we're bumped in relationships, and we all are, those are opportunities for the Lord to, be, to work the character of Christ into us. So sometimes it's good news. It's like, oh, I have an opportunity to grow in love and to become like Christ. All right, the second theme, spiritual gifts and church leadership. This is a huge theme in this chapter, spiritual gifts and church leadership. And again, with the bell, the bell is a sound. And you know, here's a a cool little thing. Did you know that the ancient Israelites would listen for the sound of the bells? They would, they, they attuned their ears to the sound of the, the, the priest's sound. Do you know why? Because what the priest was doing was representing them. So if they heard the bell, they, know that, they knew that things were going well with them. If they didn't hear a bell, ooh, he might have gotten taken out. And that's not good for us, right? So the sound of a priest is very important. Do you hear what I'm saying? We release a sound. One of the ways that God works unity is through spiritual gifts and church leadership. We've probably all in this room heard about the divine order in verse 13, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. You guys have heard that referred to as the fivefold ministry, right? So the end goal of that, this this, uh, chapter teaches, is the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, that's us, for the edifying of the body of Christ, verse 14, that we would no longer be children tossed to and fro, but that we would grow up into him. And I love verse 16. It says that the body, that's us, grows when it's joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, every part doing its share. What do you mean? Oh, this isn't about just what John and Tracy do. And we're just here to watch what they do? No, it's about every part doing its share. So we care about this. We care about what it's saying because basically it's saying that if we want to grow, and I think all of us in this room want to grow, right? If we want to grow, we need to be rightly related to the head and to each other. We want to be using our gifts and doing our part, not just being observers, right? And we want to put ourselves under leadership the way that God intended. I wanted to recommend a book by Chuck Pierce. This is called A Time to Triumph, How to Win the War Ahead. This is a great book. This is his latest. He just wrote this in 2016. And notice there's an angel with a sword on the cover. (laughs) Okay? He had an encounter with the Lord in 1985. And most of you were probably not even born in 1985. 1985, he has an encounter with the Lord, and the Lord showed him these buildings. The first building was the existing church structure. The second was two little buildings that worked together. One of them was called isms, and what that was was militant, antichrist, religious systems. This, guys, this was in 1985. The isms, and then another building called lawlessness, and these two would feed off of each other, he said, in the days to come. And then he saw the church of the future, which I've got to tell you that this is awesome. He said the church of the future. And yes, now I have to use reading glasses. Oh, Lord. 
Okay, it says, <clears throat> he said that this building, the church of the future, was nothing but light and glory. On its foundation appeared the five ascension gifts listed in Ephesians 4.11, which make up the government of God, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And what's so cool is he said that as each of these gifts was set into place, he said more harvest was coming into the church. And he said it was growing in glory. And he said the, the old church structure, he said, was the, the building was becoming gray and the lights were going out. And, and that eventually was not able to withstand these militant religious systems and lawlessness. But as this church of the future was set in place and growing in glory, it ultimately was able to, to overcome what the enemy was trying to release. So I am delighted to say that at Storehouse, we endeavor to release and activate the fivefold. Praise God. So are you guys still with me or have you put a cardboard, cardboard cut out of yourself and left the room? Okay, are we all still here? Okay. Okay, the, the, third, the third theme we're going to touch on is putting on the new man and being renewed in the spirit of our mind. Let's look at verse 22. <clears throat> Put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I love what he says about, I love the language that Paul uses. And he uses this in other letters as well. The putting off and the putting on. And I think of it, it helps me to think of it as clothing. I think of the old man as a really gross, moldy, yucky jacket. You wouldn't wear mold, right, or filth. And so he's saying, take that off and put on the new man. And I think of the new man as this really great jacket that's like iridescent, you know, and just like, like, a, like a light jacket, you know, of glory. And I mean, you guys like to have new clothes, right? So when you put on a new jacket, it makes you kind of walk different. You're like, I like my jacket, right? And so it's kind of the same way. We put on the new man, and, it, and, it, and we're able to walk out our identity, right? Okay, renewing our mind. Let's think about that for a second. Notice that Paul doesn't say, oh, consider maybe renewing your mind. Uh, you know, you, you might think about renewing your mind. <clears throat> I suggest that maybe you renew the spirit of your mind. He says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So this is not an option. <laughs> Guys, I used to work in the field of mental health. I am a recovering counselor, praise God. <laughs> and <clears throat> and um, there's a lot of dynamics to mental illness. I don't want to make light of it because I don't want to make light of it. But <clears throat> what we think is so key to our overall health. And when you think about, think about this, did you know that ancient cities had walls around them? Like Jericho, that was the whole deal. But that's, they had walls around them. And they had what was called gates were the entrances. Um, I think it says the openings, the entrances, and the exits were actually gates. They were places of control. Okay, so walls around the city kept the good things in, the bad things out, but you had the gates where they could come and go. Well, think about this. The Hebrew word for gate is shar. 
It's, it's S-H-A-A-R, the Hebrew word for gate. And one of the meanings of it is to think. Our thoughts are a gateway. If you like the word portal better, use portal. Our thoughts are gateways to godliness or really the demonic. And that's why the Bible is packed with encouragement to meditate. And we think, um, you know, or we think that that's some weird thing that people don't do anymore in 2000. He, what he's saying is fix your mind on the word because your thoughts are gates. And they invite God or demonic influence. So how do we do this? <clears throat> I don't know how you do it. I, this is actually not a prop. This is my little prayer sword. So don't judge me. But I have this and I love it because it's a Nerf sword. I know. I, I, I like it. But what it does is it helps me. It's a physical reality, and it helps me to, when I'm, when I'm doing this, it just helps me know what I'm doing in the spirit. And so what I'll do is, you know, prophecies that have been spoken over my life, I'll listen to them. And this morning I was listening to some affirmations and just doing this. And I feel like I'm taking ground. Right? And so um, prophesy you know, to yourself, to your soul, you know, use the scripture. I, you know, I do not have the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And I wield this thing. We got to do business. All right. So rehearse the promises, use your sword, whatever that is. And, and don't give up, you know, renewing the mind is not just something you do. And then it's over. It's a constant process. Okay. Last theme. You guys still with me? Do not grieve the spirit. So here what we have is Paul, Paul wants us to grow. He, in this chapter, he's urging us towards unity. He's aware of the battle that we're in, and he's encouraging us to take advantage of the benefits of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Remember the Holy Spirit, we saw him first in Genesis 1-1, where he breathed, and what happened? He brought order out of chaos. The Holy Spirit, we know, is our comforter. He's our friend. He's the one called alongside. He's our encourager, right? The one that seal. I mean, he's just so many benefits. And so what he's saying is in light of everything that we know, and especially the warfare we're in, don't limit the, whole, the, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So here's how, here's how we do it. Verse 25, he says, put away lying and speak the truth. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. I want to say that anger is actually a healthy emotion. It doesn't, it's not a bad emotion to be afraid of. It's when you sin with anger, then there may be an issue there. But it's important what he's saying is do not let the sun go down on your wrath. I think that's the most important piece. When we're angry and we go to bed angry, it allows that anger to be able to grow in our soul and in our spirit. And the great thing about God is he totally can totally redo that. He can totally heal, um, totally deliver us from all of that. <clears throat> okay, verse 28, do not steal. Verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Verse 31, let bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And finally, verse 20, or 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, 
even as God in Christ forgave you. So one of the last things I want to share is that, guys, bitterness, unforgiveness is not an option in our life. It's something that will keep us out of our full inheritance. So one of the things that I do with the sword is I'll say, I refuse to be offended. I refuse to be offended. I refuse to be bitter. I'm just, I can't have it in my life. And we have to do that because you know what? Nobody can do that for me. I can go to the altar and I can have hands laid on me and that's wonderful, but they can't make the choice for me not to let that stuff grow in my heart. And it's the same thing for you. So be on guard against bitterness, unforgiveness, and offense and refuse to let it grow in your life. All right, so lastly, I just want to speak this over you. Release your sound. Bring forth good fruit. You can overcome in this age of distraction and engage the clashing of swords to take out spiritual giants in your life and in our city. You have a sword. You are called to be a warrior. Now go out and get some giants. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Let me pray for you real quick. Father, we love your word. I ask you, Jesus, to release strength upon your warriors tonight, Lord. Just a fresh determination. God, we ask just for a reset on our heart right now and our conscience. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. It just gives us a blank slate. And we ask, I ask you right now just to put a fresh fight in our hearts, a fresh hunger to take all of our inheritance, God. We want all that you will give to us. And so, Lord, would you strengthen your warriors tonight? We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.